Mano a Mano is a retrospective movie show for adults only, educational, satirical, transgressive. It's just entertainment. We'll not out to offend, but at the end of the day, Frank Zappa said it best. You either get it or you don't. Roll the tape. Welcome to Mano a Mano, where men can be men. My name is Jonathan Astro. With me, as always, is Ricky Allpike and Yuri G. Gentlemen, how are you? Good, good. Yes, I'm very good, thanks. There were, I, I wouldn't want uh, any other uh, partners when I'm on the beat. I know you both have uh, serious backup pieces down there. So, you know, uh, I, I really rely on your support. Thank you. No worries. You can... Um have use of my magnum force anytime you want <laughs> very good that's a callback that's a callback we have covered that movie uh previously uh the people know that so tonight i believe it's the french connection 1971 okay directed by william Friedkin. screenplay by ernest tidyman based on the french connection from 1969 by robin moore produced by philip d'antoni uh so first time gentlemen or We've seen this movie. No, first time for me. Great. I'd seen it once before, maybe about 10 or so years ago. Okay. Not not too long ago. I, yeah. I was watching it going, so when, when does that scene happen with all the minis? Like the car chase of the minis? <laughs> the Italian job. <laughs> I mean, but was the, was the car chase you got not fucking amazing? It, it was very good. Yeah. Yeah. No minis. Um... Well, I well that's fascinating. We'll be leaning on you a little bit, Ricky, so you can give us your really fresh, uh, fresh eyes on this. But just a small, couple of small things that that stuck out to me. I've seen this film a lot, but I just like everything now. Why does why does life have to be half over before you, when you start getting stuff a little bit? Do you know? I don't understand why. Why can't you? Why when I used when I watched this when I was much younger, what the hell was I even watching? Was I just? I might have. I might as well have been watching uh, colors on a wall with loud banging noises, <laughs> or cops. Yeah, just yeah, that's right. Like I, you, I, I don't think I. I've seen this movie. Um, I must dozens of times. I don't think I understood the plot. I don't think I knew who was doing what for where why. Uh, I mean, you understand it on a visceral level. You just go, oh, there's a car chase. Oh, there's some red boots. Oh, there's a, oh, there's a sniper. Like, you know, you don't, but you don't really go, wait a minute. What's actually going on in this story? You don't pay attention mm. in that way. Um, I feel like I got it on some emotional level. We can talk about that later. But the two things I wanted to bring up, uh, Ernest Tideman, who wrote the screenplay, not the book, so it's come from a book, but he wrote the screenplay for this. He is the, in, is uh, the, the man behind a another franchise called Shaft. Okay, so oh. he wrote the Shaft novels, and I had a nice look at this man, and he is a full blown cracker. <laughs> he he has created um, basically the most famous black superhero in terms of you know just being. I mean, what an incredible icon, and he is just he looks like. Yeah, an English professor. This guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but they they weren't doing this. 
Oh, is this uh, you, this is an audio podcast, Yuri? So uh, Yuri's actually doing, I believe, a black what, what, Wakanda Forever, a Black Panther symbol, Wakanda Forever, <laughs> Wakanda Forever. I haven't seen the movie. Wakanda Forever. I haven't seen the movie, <laughs> but uh, I think that speaks volumes. So anyway, I thought, to, uh, what, what do you think of that? Is that is this good or? I mean, that, that's that's the whole ridiculous argument, isn't it? Because these days it'd be cultural appropriation and he never would have been allowed to make those movies and those movies never would have come out. I, I think if that man put in the time, which he obviously did, to, to know his material and to do the research, then why the fuck not? You know, I mean, mm. I, I would accept the same from, you know, if someone was to write a biography of, say, Martin Luther King and who was white, but just, you know, went to town as a scholar, I wouldn't mm. have a problem with that. Mm, doesn't sound like you've decolonized your syllabi. <laughs> I, I may have, I may even go a little bit further than you, Ricky. And and even if they hadn't done their research, but they made great movies that you know weren't exploitative, and that pe- and like it's happened where people from that actual culture love them, then even if you didn't do the research, I still think it's fine. Like I think the end product speaks speaks for itself well the wokesters would say he got he got rich off the off the back of the black man you know yeah yeah but then like the alternative would be that all those black people wouldn't have had those great movies and they wouldn't have had shaft to you know as representation to identify with to see a version of themselves on screen or, or, or even or even stuff. to have a vehicle to act in as well you know yeah, I mean, it gave employment too. to a lot of black actors you know mm-hmm Yes, well, you sound a lot like the uh, the uh, brownstone and like apartment owners, landlords in some of these areas who who are, who are saying the same sort of thing. We're giving you, we're giving you shelter. We're giving you, you know, <laughs> all of these things. You know, give me your rent. So um, uh, we know what you think, gentlemen. The only other thing I wanted to bring up is Owen Roisman died on January. 6th 2023 aged 86 he was the director of photography of this movie um the french connection play it again sam woody allen the heartbreak kid with charles Grodin, which is which is a great film the exorcist william friedkin the taking of pelham 123 fantastic movie the stepford wives brian forbes three days of the condor sydney pollack and network sydney lumet which is it's perfect movie 10 out of 10 what a cv think about that what have you worked on oh i did the french connection and network on three days of the condor i've even left some stuff off that he did later that you just look at and go oh my god so Mm. what what an incredible cv so uh may he rest in peace well at least professionally he had a good run (laughs) He (laughs) he did he did well actually even his life you know, 86. Yeah, very good. Well, I mean, like I know nothing about it, but, you know, after that CV, at least professionally, you can you can rest on those laurels. Yes. You can actually go, you know what? I did it. Did all that. It's done. He could have done the French Connection and just gone, I just did, I did the French Connection and that's it. Yeah. And you go, yeah. well, that's pretty Amazing. good. It's pretty good. All right, Popeye's here. Get your hands on your heads. Get off the barn. Get on the wall. What's my name? Popeye Doyle. If he doesn't like you, he'll take you apart. And it's all perfectly legal because Doyle fights dirty. You want to take a ride there, fat man? And plays rough. Anybody want a milkshake? Doyle is bad news, but he's a good cop. We're going now. Bye.
How many times have I been down hard it looked up and saw him smiling like a shining dime? Yeah. And hoped that he would stay and tell me why he was so happy if he had the time. Who is that clown? Jewish lucky man. What about the last of big time spenders? You make him? No, you. He's spreading it around like the Russians are in Jersey. They say we stick around and give him a tail. Our friend's name is Boca, Salvatore Boca, B-O-C-A. Well, downtown, they're pretty sure he pulled off a contract on a guy named DeMarco. And that's not a drop, I'll open up a charge for you at Bloomingdale's. B-O-C-A. Doesn't miss that. And then on our own, after working a whole day and night, we tailed him to Brooklyn. And we sat on him for practically a week. Now, who do we come up with? The French Connection. A millionaire exporter with a record too clean to be true. And Doyle knows it. But he's been known to make mistakes. Your hunches have backfired before, Doyle. This time, he can't afford to be wrong. Hasn't gone down. I, I, I know it hasn't. I can, I can feel it. I'm dead certain. Last time you're dead certain, we went for dead cop. All right, let's hit him. Hit him! All right, nobody move. Put your hands in the air. The stakeout. It's me, it's me. The payoff. Chase. Don't stop. Hey, Coke, you all right? Uh, all right. Well, what do you, I suppose you want to know what happened in this movie, right? Yeah, hit me. Yeah. All right. I'll remind you. So the film begins in Marseille, where a big-time heroin dealer named Charnier, played by Fernando Ray, is being tracked by a policeman. After another stakeout, uh, but from this policeman, the cop returns home and is suddenly blown away by Charnier's top assassin, Frog Two. We'll call him. Charnier, a former longshoreman, plans to smuggle a huge shipment of heroin into the US by concealing it in a car and then having the car imported into the country by an unsuspecting TV actor. Now, you actually have to pay attention, gentlemen. I, I was re-watching it before and I think I might have the cars mixed up. <laughs> so, so I've said that that's the plan. They want to put the drugs in the car and have the guy bring the car over. So let's just go with that. The story follows two policemen in the narcotics division, Popeye Doyle, played by Gene Hackman, and Cloudy Russo, played by Roy Scheider. Although dedicated and bringing in a significant amount of rest, the, the arrests, the pair seem unable to bust any big players. At a local bar, Popeye zeroes in on a cashed-up hood named Sal Boca and his wife. Popeye and Cloudy stake out the couple. Uh, by night, they're splashing cash with known gangsters, and by day, they run a modest deli. So tailing B uh, Boca leads Popeye to a lawyer, a, a heavy hitter in heroin called Joel Weinstock. One of Popeye's informants confirms that there is a big shipment due to hit the streets any day now. So Popeye and uh, Russo get authorization to wiretap Boca and his wife. 
The cops are saddled with also saddled with two feds, Mulderig and Klein, and we learn through them that Popeye's obsessive policing and hunches may have uh, in the past led to the death of cop. The French TV actor arrives in New York and so does the car loaded with heroin. Popeye and Russo surveil Charnier and eventually he realises that he's being followed and he cleverly shakes off Doyle in the subway. Boca is keen to wrap up the deal, but the, law, uh, but the, law, the lawyer, uh, Weinstock, wants him to cool his jets. There's just too much heat. Boca meets Charnier in DC and Boca tells him he needs more time, but Charnier tells him that the deal must be wrapped up within the week. And on the way back to New York, Charnier's hitman suggests killing Popeye Doyle. So the hitman attempts to shoot Popeye outside his home with a rifle, but he misses, and an epic chase ensues. The hitman escapes via an elevated train, and Popeye commandeers a vehicle and takes off in, a re- in reckless pursuit, endangering civilians and smashing up the car. The hitman shoots down a cop on the train and busts in on the conductor, forcing him to miss stops. The conductor loses consciousness, and the train comes to a crashing halt. The hitman uh, thinks he's home free, but Popeye spots him and demands that he stop. The hitman runs and Popeye shoots him in the back. Popeye and Russo stake out the car that was imported by the TV star, uh, the French TV star, and when a group of car thieves descend on it, the cops appear and bust a lot of them, but it turns out that they are just that, car thieves. They're not, they're not drug dealers. Popeye has the car pulled apart but can't find any drugs. Meanwhile, the TV star is demanding the return of his car. Russo discovers the car is 120 pounds overweight. Which, push it, which pushes them to continue the search. The shipment of drugs is finally found and put back in place and the car returned to the TV star. Now spooked, the TV star backs out on, uh, of the deal entirely, forcing Charnier himself to drive the car to the drop. The heroin is sold to the buyers, with the deal being brokered by Sal Boca. Uh, as Sal and Charnier leave the drop point, they come upon Popeye and a legion of cops waiting to arrest them. They turn back and are pursued by the boys in blue, Boca is killed by Cloudy and Popeye pursues Charnier into the warehouse. He spots a figure in the shadows and opens fire. Cloudy and Popeye discover that he uh, has actually shot Mulderig, one of the feds. Popeye reloads and takes off into the darkness in pursuit of Charnier, the French connection. Now, I was uh, reading up on this on IMDb and uh, I said to my wife, I was like, oh, this is often considered one of the greatest films ever made. And she said, no, why? (laughs) Okay, all right. Um, Well, will you tell me, what do you think? I mean, I've got some counters, but I need to know, you know, Yuri, the question's been posed. What do you think? Um, Well, uh, I had the same feeling as I had the first time I watched it. It seems like it set the style that's been... um, made standard ever since then so give like even though it's from the like early i didn't realize it was actually 71 like barely even made it to the 70s it feels so modern and especially that that fucking insane car chase um you know that is the type of stuff yeah yeah it's exactly the type of stuff you see now 50 years later with all the extra Money, but like you know, you, you now you have specialists, specialist directors that direct your action sequences. So even Born Identity, a completely different director directed those car chases. Mm. Um, you know, uh, and and with all the money and effects and all the rest of it, and this car chase still holds up as well as a, a kind of much more of that 
visceral verite sort of feel. So, uh, you know, it seems, I would imagine that for 71, having a basically entirely handheld movie would have been groundbreaking and, and new. Um, well, at least in mainstream Hollywood. Uh, I imagine, I don't know if I had to guess, maybe French New Wave, they ripped it off or something. I'm not sure. Absolutely. You're 100% um, right. You know, it just kind of, like watching it back now, it doesn't feel like something all that special, but uh, it, I would hazard a guess that it was maybe one of, if not the first, to kind of set a style that has since been replicated. Mm. Well, in, in 2005, it was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry uh, by the Library of Congress because uh, they thought it uh, culturally, historically and aesthetically significant. So it's definitely up there. I, I had a much better time watching this than I did Casino, I must hmm. admit. I think... Um, You're just trying to get on, on Yuri's nerves or what, <laughs> what, what is this? What an attack. <laughs> I'm, I'm all right with it. I'm all right with it. And, and I think, you know, the, the, like I remember, um, Ricky, you saying about Casino, what's with all the voiceover? And, and this time around, I had, I had to agree. It, 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 too much voiceover. This... This film, speaking of voiceover, obviously there's no voiceover, and there are so, sections. So you're going to say this could have some voiceover, <laughs> and from different yeah. characters you know what as this, well. You know what would make this the best film of all time? No, it it has no voiceover, and and it has you know large sections where that where there isn't a lot of dialogue or sound. You know when they're on stakeouts and stuff like that, and you just get to see New York City. You know, I mean, I think, I mean the 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 shots of New York are so vivid, you you can almost smell it. You know, uh, yeah, and it's cold. It looks fucking cold as well. Yeah, it does, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and like one of one of my big notes is very silent. Like, there's so many scenes that barely anyone speaks, and um, you know, following the French dude down. You know, that long scene of trying to like follow him and and you know, getting off the train, getting on the train, all the rest of it. Yeah, no dialogue. Mm. Mm. He'd be on no, the phone. Then, yeah. He'd be on the, the phone. He'd be he'd be telling someone on the phone what he's doing while he's doing it. I'm going to get back yeah. on the train. Surely he's not going to get back off. You know, he mm. would actually say it. He would say it all, and it would be shitty. That they'd be tracking them from the control room, and then be yes. constant yes. yelling from the control room. Enemy of the Get state. me that camera. Who's got that camera? I think. They, Why does no one give me that camera? I think they do yeah. that in Enemy of the State, and that was a long time ago too. So. Um, mm. Look, I this time I, I I'm starting to think this this is a masterpiece. Um, you know, I've long th thought that it had something, but I wasn't quite sure. And I think I know what raises it to the, to to that level now. Because I mean, cops and robbers, you know, like especially now that we, we've got, you know, we would have no MIPD Blue without this. We would have no Homicide. We would have no anything. The um, Wire. The Wire, absolutely. There's lots of The Wire in there as well. But the, who cares? I mean, that's interesting, but that's our life. This is art. Like, this, this, there's something else going on here. And um, I think this does does a few things that, that truly great movies do. I think it, it introduces us to a, a, a completely unique uh, three-dimensional character in Popeye Doyle uh, with his own hat. And everything that now you just if someone else wore that hat that like you'd get like the heisenberg style hat whatever yeah. you'd go oh that's popeye doyle like so yeah uh but for, for me what what does it i mean look on a small level the, the the things that jumped out at me was the was the incredible filmmaking so um this is a a beautifully organic 
uh, film that feeds off itself in in the best kind of way. There's not like you know there's that scene in Collateral at the beginning where Jason Statham comes and drops off the suitcase. You remember to Tom Cruise? Do you remember this, Yuri? It's like I've forgotten that it was Statham, but yeah, it's one scene, right? The, hmm. I hate that. Okay, people meant to think that that's good. I go no. So so in the I'll bring it back to home in this film, mm. Frog Two kills the cop in Marseille and we go, oh, God, what just happened? And by the end of the movie, you know exactly what happened. You go, okay, that was another cop. He was chasing, he was, he was on the trail of Frog One and then he, in the plane he propositions, says, oh, why don't we kill Popeye? And you go, oh, mm. he's going to do it again. But he's come up against Popeye and that, is, that gives me chills thinking about he fucked with the wrong cop. Do you know what I mean? And we got mm. to see him get the jump on someone because he's this total scumbag. And just that 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 reversal is so great. Um, he just totally was not ready to have a guy shoot him in the back, like chase him across town and, and you know, not stop for a uh, woman who's been shot on the ground, steal someone's car, destroy the car, you know, scream and yell and then shoot him in the back when he's walking away unarmed. Like he just was not ready for that, you know. But then it's the other setups and payoffs. So... Um, Frog One gets his his girlfriend, who well, who we think is his daughter, until he says, "I saw my daughter today." So because the first time you see them together, you go, "Oh, that's his daughter," and then he goes, "I saw my daughter today," and you go, "Oh God!" And then she buys him a coat that he wears in in uh, the US. She says, "Oh, it's cold in the US," and that's there. It's lived in, like you know. You go, oh, that's the that's the present that his girlfriend got him, and she he gives her a, a, a camera that she uses later on. She takes photos in America, um, so all of those things are great. The high and low culture juxtapositions, I just love the my one of my favorite scenes is is uh, Chanier and the assassin having their their incredible meal while um, Popeye and Russo are outside having their pizza and in the freezing cold. You know, and I think that's just that's glorious. But final thing I'll say: the reason it's amazing, I think, is this: it's the theme of obsession uh, and the full commitment of the ending that links it. I think it links it with Vertigo. I think it, I think it's incredible, and I can't. I don't want to get into it right now because I've got something to say about. It. I won't do it now. But without the postscript, this movie would be um, ten out of ten. This would be like, mm. this would just be a hundred out of ten. Like you'd just go, oh my, oh my god, you know what I mean? The postscript sort of uh, ruins it a little bit. But, the, but how is it not like Vertigo? So what we've got, it, it's we, we're told at the big um, that you know Popeye's obs- uh, obsessive antics have gotten um, a cop killed before, and what does he do? It happens again, and the look on his face when Russo goes, "You just shot Mulderig or whatever," he just he can't even see it. He can't even see. He doesn't. It. Yeah, mm. it's not. It's not registering. It's not even there. He's just like he's yeah. here. I know he's here, you know. And he goes off in the darkness. And I mean, that to me, that's a piece of art, you know. And um, it's not just about getting your man. Because the thing is, he's he's right and he's wrong all at once. Son of a bitch is here. I saw it. I'm gonna get him. Another thing with a postscript, um, they only all they did was get reassigned. 
So he flat out murders <laughs> an FBI agent. And then in the 70s, he just go, all right, we'll, we'll move you to a different well, team. Well, it was, it was an accident. You can't claim it's murder, right? Like Still, you think... But well, what do you guys think? When the, when you saw the postscript, do you, you know what I think? So, but but when you saw, well, it, did I, you go, I was going to ask you about the postscript. But yeah. what did you think of the postscript? Well, I was a bit disappointed. I, I I don't know if I ever really like a postscript like that. You know, um, so maybe to explain to those who might not have seen it, it, it basically tells you what happens to all the the bad guys and 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 the two main cops in the end with sort of these text and freeze frame shots you know little updates just little updates just says oh yeah this guy got some jail this guy didn't is is it is it like i don't know i'm confused about it but john do you think it's it, it's always bad to have those sorts yes, of things i do uh yep. i'm a i am generous to a lot of things and you know there's not a lot of stuff out there that i can say is 100 percent bad i think postscript is 100 percent bad i don't i don't i haven't seen one single film that i've liked it in um, maybe in American Graffiti, maybe because they like it sort of turns it in, a happy film into a bit of a bummer. Like like it says that someone just randomly died in Vietnam or something, and you go, oh god. So, but even then, I could live without it. Um, you should end with an image, not text. This is this is clearly to make it more of a documentary or or something like that, or people need to know. But but it just really. I mean, Yuri said it. The fate of these guys. Um, uh is just totally blunted so they get transferred but really popeye's killed another cop um another cop by the way uh because he's led to the death of the second one um cloudy finally sees his partner's dangerous obsession like he's the, the he's just like you killed this guy and you can tell that they're not going to be good after this they're not going to be okay and uh popeye's finally cracked and imagine that this just this shot of a dark warehouse him running down the hallway into the dark and hearing a gunshot and just going black jesus christ jesus mm. christ what what you just go, then it, it's about something else the movie point blank ends a bit like that and uh no there's no postscript on that way back. I, I definitely think it should have ended that way um i an, another film i was going to bring up that does have a postscript is mississippi burning which is another uh gene hackman film Okay. And at the end of that film, because you spent so long sort of trying to get these KKK guys for the murder of, of that kid um, or, or those kids, um, there's, there's not really enough time to then go through the court case of each person. And I don't know, in, in that particular film, you really want to know what each scumbag in that situation got in terms of jail time, you know, mm. so that's that's satisfying in a way, like you get, you get to learn. But in this film, but like most of the bad charge. guys... This is a well, in this, charge. yeah, in this one, like the guys, they don't even get that much jail time, except for I think who gets the most, like the actor who. The was only an good part of the postscript is that the is that the big fish got away and the the lowly people got big time sentences and the top, yeah. the top uh, bad guys got nothing. And, and then the cops just get kind of reassigned because on TV or even in more straightforward movies, the whole point is. The person needs to get go away for a long time or get vanquished. Here, he got away. Then you are sent reeling back to the whole film. You go, you're like, wow, like, what does it all mean? What's what? What, what did I just watch? You know what I mean? All we're left yeah. with is the wreckage. Would Would you accept an ending where you where you kind of see the Frenchman sort of in France, just you know, with his 
girlfriend again or something like so you know so so you know he got away you know you mean um dark knight rises dark knight rises is what i was thinking yeah yeah it's a batman but um i could i could live without it look i mean look i understand the financial imperative like the thing is without people normal normies they love postscript they love it i am i am weird i'm 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 uh, a purist i'm hot under the collar and they just go oh it's just good to find out what happened it's good to find out what happened. Yeah. But I think the difference is you go, maybe between this and Mississippi Burning is because now it's been, I, I have almost no memory of Mississippi Burning. I watched it very young. You're but a white I imagine it's maybe. And you don't remember any of, the, <laughs> uh, any of the plights of the black man. No, not at all. In great detail. Um, I imagine it's maybe a little bit more procedural than this one and maybe a little bit more about. Uh, the crime and the criminals and the ramifications, whereas this movie is more about Popeye's obsession. Mm. It's not really that much about the the actual procedure sort of stuff. Well, I, I what's, think it's... what's interesting in, in Mississippi Burning is Gene Hackman plays a similar sort of guy who gets absolutely obsessed with nailing these mm. guys. I feel like I should have watched the Mississippi Burning in addition <laughs> to this. <laughs> I'm, I think, I think that'd be wrong. a good double. Yeah. <laughs> But but see in Mississippi Benny Gene Hackman he's playing number two to um, Willem Dafoe. Uh, Willem Dafoe, yeah, and and Willem Dafoe wants to do everything by the book. Gene Hackman wants to go dirty. Willem Dafoe finally says, "All right, do it your way," and then Gene Hackman just fucking goes to town. But I mean, is that movie more about justice and the pursuit of it? Because this one is about you know obsession and what that can lead to, positive and negative. Mm. I think, and if it ends with he kills the Fed runs out into the darkness and you don't know what's happened you go well yeah that's the the movie's about popeye's obsession yes yeah as opposed to now it brings it back to a drug bust and a a certain crime and a certain case it it just kind of brings it back to being more procedural so the one place where i do like postscript is in line of duty but that's a procedural tv series yes so a lot of the times when they put it up, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, no, I like this, but it's it's like a completely different, it's a completely different thing. Yes, well, I think I just maybe to put a bow on it. I just think once you see him go off into the darkness, all you're left with is thinking about, yeah, all of the all of the the um, the costs and the debris mm. of, of his his and which doesn't let Frog one off because he's the thing is the movie it's a real piece of art because. There are so many times where I'm on everyone's side. So uh, the scene with the, the the junk getting tested, I'm I'm really happy that it's good junk. You know, like the guys like this is, you know, uh, junk of the month club, sirloin steak, you know, he's like, get really, I'm really happy when, he's, when they get good junk. I'm really happy when um, the deal comes off for them at the end. And I'm actually a little bit bummed out when the cops uh, arrive because they've all worked pretty hard because the, the the plan was actually quite clever really mm. like it, in the end it was quite clever and so you really appreciate that and so it, it does just mess it all up and the life that frog one's leading is so much more glamorous and nice than than popeye's gross like waking up in a bar in a bowling shirt drinking in the morning picking up chicks in boots you know, and they're nailing him. And... Hey, miss, can I ask you about them boots? Can I ask you about them boots? <laughs> and he's smiling to himself as well. He's, he's like, can I ask you yeah. about them boots? You know? 
200. Good housekeeping seal of approval. 210, U.S. government certified. 220, lunar trajectory. Junk of the month club sirloin steak. 230, grade A poison. Absolute dynamite. 89% pure junk. Best I've ever seen. If the rest is like this, you'll be dealing on this load for two years. I do have to talk about, before it gets too long, the big, this is the big one, gentlemen. Okay, so I watched this movie on Apple TV because I'm a mug. Um, this movie, this the version of this movie is edited. And if I hadn't seen it, if you had, Ricky, if you'd watched it on Apple TV, you wouldn't know. I've seen yeah. this movie dozens of times and halfway through, I was like, where's, where's the best line in the film? The best line in the movie. It's like, you said it. There's not much talking in this movie, all right? Um, and it's probably the only dialogue that, that, that reads like movie dialogue, like proper movie dialogue. Like, like it's, he doesn't say a lot of flashy shit, Popeye, in this. It's, it's usually just uh, matter-of-fact things or whatever. Like, it's not... He doesn't... This is a, a dialogue that, um, you know, there's a slur and then there's the thing he says after, which to me is, is so important. So, basically, Cloudy has been... Well, there go. was two things I remember from the first, from my first viewing, vividly, the car chase and that line. Right, okay. Most other things on this time around were still fairly new to me. Like, I'd, I'd mainly forgotten them, so... So, Cloudy's been slashed by a knife in one of the first scenes. That's Roy, Roy Scheider. Popeye says, comes down, you know, when they're leaving the station, Popeye makes a, a racist comment. We'll, we'll play it for you. We'll play the, play the, the, the segment. Uh... So Cloudy remarks that the perpetrator could easily have been white and Popeye says, uh, you know, well, initially he says, never trust a N-word. And then second up, he says, never trust anyone. You dumb guinea. How the hell did I know he had a knife? Never trust a He could have been white. Never trust anyone. You going sick? No. Huh? Are you going sick? No. We said we Popeye down the shade for a half hour, so I'll have a couple drinks. For Christ's huh? sake, I'm beat. I'm going to go home. All right, all right, all right. One drink. So the first issue I have is that this was an unadvertised edit, okay? So there was no information indicating that this film was edited from the original version. I don't even know what version this was now that I've watched. I can't trust anything that I've seen. I'm like, okay, where has this come from? Who is this for? Uh, if this cut was for racial sensitivities on the part of Disney, who now owns, the Fo who now owns Fox or whatever... Why is the reference to quote unquote spicks later in the movie not not uh, why is that retained? You know why why not cut all of the scenes in which black people are oppressed or or portrayed badly, which is like half the movie? Why only cut this line? What and you know I mean people are going what's the big deal? Why why you know they go why do you care about the n word so much? Well I go well the 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 big deal for me is that it's a key line to understanding the mindset of this very complex character. So. You know, when you hear that first line, you go, oh, geez, he must be, he's, he's racist or he might be racist. But when you hear the second line, it complicates the matter because you go, oh, he's also a very good cop. He says, and he's not going to get stabbed because he says it's not just, it's not just that he's racist, which he might very well be. Um, it's that he's a very good cop and he's like, never trust anybody. He's like, you know, 
I would never get I would never get slashed up. I was always ready for that knife. You know, I never, I don't trust you. I don't trust anybody. Um, so it's the, it's that that what's what makes Popeye such an effective and ultimately destructive uh, cop because that mindset leads him all the way down to that final scene. And Friedkin has spoken. This is the last thing I'll say about it. Friedkin has spoken in a documentary about this uh, back in the day, maybe twenty years ago, about how this line. And people can go back and check it. I'm just paraphrasing here. He said it inspired cheers from black audiences who saw on screen an ugly truth that they lived every day. They had long suspected a blanket attitude was the view of the cops. And here it was finally spoken out loud and they cheered and they cheered for it. Okay. So this is what we're speaking to Spencer Clavin about on the new flesh. Uh, he was talking about truth and beauty and that, you know, a true, a, a a truth can be beautiful, even if it, even if what you're saying is ugly. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And so, yeah. I would argue, and clip it up if you like, that his statement um, is beautiful in its truth, and and uh, in how ugly it is. But uh, like, I also don't read him. I mean, again, this this might be down to my privilege or whatever um, <laughs> good yes good good I, I don't really read him as racist in that when he gives the second line he's like i'll oh, never trust anyone it's you know he said the n-word because that was just the word that was being used mm. you know and, and it's like and again i know these days intent and context don't matter but i think really they actually do um, because he called his partner a guinea just earlier in that exact same scene, and he says "speak mm. later" as well. So yeah. he's yeah. given it—he's—he's he's given it out to everyone. <laughs> he's giving it out to everyone, but that's the thing. Even even his own partner, and and he he just kind of he just calls people by their racial nicknames without. That's just what he does. He doesn't seem to particularly be be out for you know to. Cause and cloudy, with cloudy, those. cloudy. Actually, he does the white knight as well. He says he could have been white. Like yeah. so, so he just, yeah, yeah, he yeah. he actually raises the lantern to what we as the in the audience are saying. We're yeah. saying, mm. wait a minute, like why why is it that that is? And look, if we're going to keep, we might as well keep it one hundred because who cares? Like the water that these guys are swimming in, the burrows they're in, and the particular hangouts that they have to go to to do these rip and runs that they do, the types of guys they're hanging that they're having to shake down and everything are. You know, just like any community, it's the bad eggs of a community that are in those places that that they're going to. Most, I'm sure that there's there's some people caught up in that, but you know, they are only hanging out with bad dudes. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's um uh, obviously that's that's t- tainted their view, his view, Popeye's view. Yeah. I, I I think it's interesting that that the left or whoever's made this change, Disney or whatever, they they are now just so obsessed with that word and erasing that word and viewing it as the worst word on the planet that they're willing to overlook the the impact that that makes to the story and the character, you know, because obviously it's not it's not used, you know, it's not used in a positive way in this film, you know, and by cutting it out, they sort of they've just blunted the character and and blunted the story you know? and we don't know Popeye at this point so whatever he says we're going to be really invested in and it is and it is horrifying to hear and, and confronting to hear even even back then it would have been to a lot of people 
confronting. And even though it was said that people did say it on TV and stuff. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, it, you have to live in the world where that guy who says that, you know, is a really great cop. So it's that Dave Chappelle ske- sketch. He rapes, but he saves. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, well, I mean, also, I think it actually does a disservice to their point where if you want to talk about how black people have been oppressed, but you cut out all black oppression from, you know, from the past, because if you came to this movie now and saw this edited version, and then if someone turned around to you and said, oh, yeah, in the 70s when this movie was made, they used the N-word all the time. You'd go, well, I didn't just say it just now. Did they? There's no record of it. If you alter the records, now there's no record of the horribleness. Isn't that like? Isn't that a disservice? Com- completely agree. Absolutely it is. And, uh, yeah, so I'll just say that obviously I'm horrified. I've always have been for decades now horrified at changing movies. I just cannot, you know, it's just so awful. I can't stand it when they do it. And particularly when then, if you're so proud of it, say it, you know, because I, cause I always like that as well. You know how they do these things now, like before Gone with the Wind, apparently they've got like some monstrous trigger they warning do, where, yeah. where it says like it was wrong then, it was wrong now, or it's, it's wrong. Or, like I love that because it's public, it's embarrassing, it's them, it won't last because in, in another few years, everyone's going to go, oh, Jesus, that's a bit much, isn't it? Like, like. You know, so I do love that because it's 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 out there, you know. But but when it's some um, covert like this, that's the worst, man. Because mm. because then you end up like you feel like you're being gaslit. You're like, what the fuck? What 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 just happened? My favorite line was cut out of the movie. Literally, my favorite line: "Never trust anyone." Would you Would you accept a change where they took away the postscript? Well, then that, I would have to look. I, then it would go in the category of Blade Runner and a couple of other lost films where privately i enjoy those changes um you know but publicly i can't support it <laughs> you know you just can't. You can't last thing i wanted to say is i saw this movie and i've got to always make this disclaimer i've got someone else's login i saw this on disney plus and the line was in really oh really yep but that's fascinating to know, though. That's well. That's good. They how, missed it. How did you watch it, John? What, Apple did you TV. Get Apple I TV. bought it on Apple TV because I because I like Apple TV. So you, you even paid for it. I did. You I even paid, paid for your own copy. I did. You, I wonder if you could get not, your money not back. Not a streamer, but yeah. I wonder if you could get your money back. I feel like I am going to look it up and see if I can get my money back because it's not it's not what I what I what I wanted so they can go to hell yeah and especially if they didn't tell you that it was an altered version yeah well you know I mm-hmm. will I'll, I will definitely follow it up well yeah. I just mean do you need to get a Disney plus subscription right I think I think I've got it didn't even look <laughs> I did that because I don't want to accidentally watch Star Wars that's why I don't even click on it you know? <laughs> <laughs> Because it's so awful. All that Star Wars you, shit is so awful. I don't want to actually go, oh, no, oh, God. And then it's, oh, it's playing. You, you didn't want to accidentally watch the Lizzo and Jack Black cameos of The Mandalorian Season 3? Um, no. When I saw those images, I was like, this is hell. This is hell on Earth. Like, you know. Now we're going to do something extremely fun. We're going to play a wonderful game called Who is my daddy and what does he do? Whenever we used to watch a lot of these sort of movies, we'd 
look for potential father figures. So if you don't already know, and if you haven't heard this a million times already, I'm going to pose to John and Ricky uh, potential father figures from this movie that they'd like to have as their dad. First up, Gene Hackman as Popeye Doyle. Uh, very good cop. Uh, pretty good with the ladies. Mm. And a great fucking driver. Yes, uh, he's good. Cons, he's a big, fat-headed, potato-eating Irishman. <laughs> uh, he causes the death of one cop and flatter murders another. And then Roy Schneider as, and I did not write down his fucking character name. Russo. Let me guess. Russo. Uh, Roy Schneider as Buddy Russo. Uh, pros, he's a bit more together than Doyle, not as crazy obsessive. True. Uh, he's also a decent cop. He's a lot more moral, so he actually cares when the FBI agent gets killed at the end. And um, cons, he's a greasy olive oil guzzling guinea. Uh, he doesn't <laughs> call the shots. He's very much uh, Popeye's second. Uh, and he has no track record with the ladies. Um, and that's kind of really all we've got to go on because there are no sort of other relationships from these dudes and there is absolutely no children anywhere near this fucking movie. Mm. Oh, except at the at the beginning when he's uh, he's dressed as Santa Claus and he's talking to the kids and they're black kids and then yeah. he's getting along with them. Yeah. Well, he's he's staking out a bar, really. Oh, so, so he's saying actually, he's just putting on an act. He's, uh, he's been a good cop. Actually, good no, cop. no, you're right. I, I did actually, yeah, I'd I'd forgotten about that, but now that you say it, I did at the time remember going, oh, it's nice, he's getting along with him. Because obviously, yeah. I remember the line. And then he's sitting there being nice to black kids. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. We have to live maybe in the maybe same Popo's world. not as horrible as, as I remember him being. Is, is Roy Scheider Italian at all? I looked him up and I don't think he's got any of that in him. Like, so is that is that okay or? Well, that's, I thought in that scene that, you know, was cut in your version, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Doyle he calls him it. a guinea. He did say it. Yeah. Yes. Mm. yeah. Russo is an Italian name. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Okay, Ricky. This is a tricky one. Mm. I, I, I feel like we don't know enough about uh, Russo, really. No. He's, he's kind of mysterious in well, this Well, you've got to pick film. him. If you, do, if you definitely don't want Doyle, then you've got to go with him. Well, true, because we've only got two, two choices here. There's not a third No, well, I'm, just, I'm telling you how, how it works. <laughs> so if you don't want Doyle, then you've got to I, go. I, I think Doyle would teach you a lot of street smarts, you know. Including how to pick up chicks in boots, you know. <laughs> He's certainly taken the lead, you know, at all times. You know, he yeah, he wouldn't get cut with a knife. He's picking up girls. Yeah. From from he mm. he definitely seems much more capable than Russo. Look, I think that I think Pop I'm really warming to Popeye because I think I cite the evidence of him with those kids at the beginning. I mean, he's not like getting down to their level and doing the whole child-focused learning stuff that people do now. But he's he's, I reckon he'd be good with kids. You know, he's one guys like him are rough yeah. and tumble. Yeah. You know, he's got blue-collar food taste, and so do kids. Like my daughter, she eats fish fingers. I don't. Yeah. You know, so I think that um, they'd be down with that. Uh, he doesn't, 
he kills someone, but he could it, it could just be a work um, accident, you know? Like, it's not really... Yeah. You know, it's not I mean, really that clear. It is unintentional. Sure. Some people mm. kill people like, oh, no, and they, something falls on someone and they die, so... I know. mean, he... he he, I think he pretty much emptied his gun into this guy, though. Yeah. Because then while he goes up to him, he's reloading. So I think he'd mm-hmm. filled him with six shots. And just the only reason he cared was that it, he wasn't the Frenchie. Like, he's still got to go get, you know, Frenchman number mm-hmm. one. Yes. So if, um, if he's willing to leave a colleague completely dead like that to go pursue work, mm-hmm. what's he going to do to you, matey? He well, he's, 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 he is he is setting up a work ethic though. Like he is he is showing you a really good work ethic. Although I imagine he he might you know you'd be left at home with nothing to eat because he's on an impromptu stakeout for three days. Yeah, but think about how hard this guy works. Like we know people who are so lazy, you know, they don't do anything, and and this guy's like standing out in the cold, like. When you think about it, a stakeout is literally just watching a building or listening to days of boring conversations to hear one bit of information. Like that, what kind of guy have you got to be? And I think mm. he, he likes his downtime. Like he, he blows off a bit of steam at the bar and, um, you know, he does squeeze in the time with the ladies, you know, which I think is good. I, I think he'd take you along to some of these stakeouts, you know. Definitely, he'd be very fun I mean, that way. Would that would that actually that would be the worst as a kid? I mean, <laughs> you can't get a kid to sit st- st- sit still for a dinner, let alone a fucking stakeout, you know. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, he's working incredibly hard, these crazy long hours, completely obsessed with his job. But we've seen where he lives. But Russo's doing the same hours. Russo's doing the same mm. hours, and he's not. He's he's you know a little bit of a chump because he's the one who got slashed. True. True. Well, that's. I mean, they're they're both a bit of a shitty choice. I, I I think I think if you if you chose Russo, you'd get all the shittiness of Doyle, but minus the fun of Doyle. Yeah. So because he I says think stuff like, I, "Did you pick your feet, at Poughkeepsie?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's mad. That's that is the. Would you, Yuri? Would you admit that that is the prototype of, um, you know of Pacino in heat that's like that's the yes, prototype it is. Of, yeah. of yeah 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 of where's he here right now he goes yeah probably well, leave that, a that, note that is... right on the door <laughs> well that that actually is a technique i was reading up the the good cop bad cop thing that is actually a technique hmm. like if if the 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 off the chain bad cop is giving you confusing and and just random questions like that you're more likely to answer the real questions from the good cop so that's did you, where that did you pick from. your feet at Poughkeepsie have you been to Poughkeepsie? Yeah. Well, been to Poughkeepsie? and it's also clearly like a standard because um, his boss or something at the police station a few scenes later talks about picking his feet in Poughkeepsie. Yeah, he says, you're still picking your feet in Poughkeepsie? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so obviously that's a tactic. But and, and that's, I think, a little bit of what we were talking about before. Even that good cop, bad cop routine that they were doing would have been pretty new, I'm assuming, in 71 Mm. At least on yeah. on TV, but yeah, maybe not, maybe not. Well, to 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 wrap it up, I I am going to go with Popeye. Yeah, I'm going with Doyle. 
Yeah. If mm-hmm. if Frenchman number one was an option, would you guys have both just snatched that up? Oh, it's tricky. Well, the international travel, you know, I mean, you'd, you'd have to go with that. It's a lot of good stuff, like good food. Not just yeah. like... And he gets away you know, with it, so... He gets away with it. He's obviously got connections with, um, you know, celeb- French celebrities, fucking, you know... Young, hot young chicks. Yeah, mm. giant, obviously, you know... But he says about his daughter. On the French Riviera. He said about his daughter. He's never met anyone so contented. So, there you go. Maybe I'd be contented too. Yeah. Even even though um, you know there's a divorce, he's still keeping the stepkids happy. Yeah, it's good. Mm. Good. Well, I mean, but given that it's it's a grimy movie with a downer ending, you're like, I can't. I couldn't give you guys a happy option. Like. No, no, you did good. You, you, you got to be depressed at the end of it. You kept to the seventies theme. We should we should walk away with that music that's playing at the end, that sort of downbeat music, mm. saying, "Yeah, that's us with with Doyle going to the park." You know, great stuff. Love it. All right, we're brothers. Excellent. Well, sh- shall I do some trivia? Yeah, go on. Okay, so uh, this film was among the earliest to show the World Trade Center. The completed North Tower and the partially completed South Tower are seen in the background of the scenes at the shipping at the shipyard following um, the Frenchman's arrival in New York, or I think the the, the the French actor's arrival in in New York. And I don't know if you guys do this, but ever since the Twin Towers fell. Whenever I see an, an old film that has the Twin Towers or even a TV show, I have to point and yell out Twin Towers. Yep. That's what I do. Mm. Yes, I've heard my my most memorable one is in the movie AI because that also came out in the cinemas just after it happened. And oh. there's this shot where they're going towards a flooded New York and all that's sticking out of the water is the Twin Towers. I remember. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I need to watch that again. Hmm. So, uh, after screening the film's final cut, Ray's French was deemed unacceptable by the filmmakers. They decided to dub his French whilst uh, preserving his English dialogue. So, I think that guy's actually a, a Spaniard. He's Spanish. Yeah, well, he's in uh, the Bunuel films we've watched. He's in Discreet yes, Charm. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So, he, he gets away with the French in that, does he? I don't know. Or is that dubbed? Yeah, but I guess he's meant to be from Miranda. He's meant to be from. He's the ambassador of Miranda, which is like a. Uh, so he's obviously oh, got. Oh yes. He's obviously got a, like a Spanish accent in his French. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 I forgot. Because we're Australian. Fernando Ray Spanish. Mm. Yeah. Because we're Australian, all we hear is Australian. That's right. Yeah. So according to Friedkin, the significance of the straw hat being tossed onto the shelf of the rear window in Doyle and Russo's car. Uh, was at that time it was a universal signal in New York City that the undercover cops in the car were on duty. Oh, yes. Yeah. So Hackman did some of the driving, but the extremely dangerous stunts were performed by Bill Hickman with uh, Friedkin filming from the back seat. Friedkin operated the camera himself because the other camera operators were married with children and he was not. So he and actually, to get I in did there. write that down when Hackman first gets in that car and does that big burnout in traffic, climbs the curb, comes back out. That's him doing that. That's an uninterrupted shot. That's fucking Hackman in the car doing that shit. It's amazing. And that is good. I mean, knowing that what I knew about that car chase, that it was, you know, done without 
safety. That those POV shots when he's pulling in to oncoming traffic. I mean, fucking hell. I was at the edge of my seat the whole time. Yeah. Well, uh, Irving Abrams, who plays Irv, the police mechanic, was the real-life NYPD mechanic who helped uh, Eddie Egan and Sonny Grosso crack the real French Connection case. But his line of, like, you know, I've, I've checked everywhere except this one place. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Actually, and the other, the other shitty thing I wrote down, there is no way in hell they could put that car back together. There is right. absolutely no way with the After way the they were way tearing they were going, that thing up. Yeah, they yes, were going yeah, 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 yeah. There is no way they were put. And I kept, I kept waiting for the actor to realize that, oh, this is not my car. I, I yeah. thought they'd given, they'd gotten the same make and model know, or though. something. It's yes, I thought the same thing. Yeah, the French guy wouldn't know though. Ah, but it's but, not but, his but, car. But the cops wouldn't know that he doesn't know. No, and I mean, it they just, were cutting stuff. They were like, they were cutting they were, the fabric, yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah, like all the all the stuff from the dash, all the ashtrays, all the plastics. They were just ripping that out. That all would have been broken. What was the weight of the car when you got it, Irv? Forty-seven hundred and ninety-five pounds. Sure. That's what it was, 4,795 pounds when it came into the shop. Owner's manual says 4,675. It's 120 pounds overweight. And when it was booked into Marseille, it was 4,795. That's still 120 pounds overweight. Jimmy's got to be right. Listen, I ripped everything out of there except the rocker panels. Come on, Irv, what the hell is that? The man whose car was hit in the uh, the filming of the chase sequence, which made it into the film, um, had just left his house a few blocks from the intersection to go to work and was unaware that a car chase was being filmed. The producers later paid the bill for the repairs to his car. So, Crazy. They got off cheap. <laughs> yeah. Well, they did, they did have permission to film the chase in a certain location, but then they sort of went quite wildly outside of that location and, and they, they were filming shit just on the fly in, yeah. in Fre- actual traffic. Free concert is he regrets it now. Yeah. He said he did Very some dangerous. stuff. Now, uh, that is my trivia, but just on the car chase scene, I, I love how in the heat of the chase, uh, Popeye, he's, he's yelling quite often. He yells, come on, but there's no sound, only the horn and the engine. Now, I don't know why, but but I thought this was really cool. I don't know why. But him him yelling and you not hearing it, like just mm. seeing him go, come on. Well, it becomes something else. It makes it a piece of art. It makes it, you know, if the sound and the image are disconnected, you know, something else is going on. It's not just literal, like he says something, we hear it. Great stuff. Well, how would you compare the car chase in this to the car chase in Friedkin's Jade? The one, the, the glacial one, where they're trapped in traffic in, in the in the Chinese uh, um, <laughs> festival. Remember that? Oh, I do vaguely remember that. I remember thinking it was dumb. He could just get out of the car and go up to the other car. No, because then he'd get run over by a dragon. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't even remember. I barely remember that movie. I just remember it kind of sucked. Jade, yes. that that was meant to be that was Caruso, right? And the the yes. you know the the 
not basic instinct basically yeah yes i'll go with all yeah. those descriptions uh all right <laughs> it's time for locker room talk that was locker room talk uh, i'm not proud of it but it is things that people say okay just a couple of things here maybe you guys can jump in when you when you feel it's necessary Popeye Doyle is basically a sexual predator who propositions women who are wearing long boots. Hey, miss, can I ask you about those boots? It's unclear what all this means. All I know is that it's disgusting and wrong. If it is involved with male sexuality, it's probably inherently wrong. I do know that. If, however, it is a non-hetero kink, it's beautiful and should be celebrated as we are about to do for the next month. Uh, <laughs> it's true. Pride month. But also... Given that the the second the woman he does end up sleeping with also has long, uh, big, so high boots, mm. are, the, are the filmmakers saying that these women are asking for it based based on what they're wearing? Is that well, is the, that I, what they're saying? I believe the boots have a name uh, that um, implies uh, use. Mm. So mm. I'm not going to say it. You can't get me to say it. Uh, one of the most horrific crimes of this film, uh, as I've mentioned earlier, is that this screenwriter, Ernest Tidyman, wrote Shaft, which is fine, except he's as white as the driven snow, uh, and he's up to his old tricks. In this movie, uh, I can only guess that the scenes of uh, the oppression of black people were not in the book, and he added them probably, so put your thinking cap on there. Uh, I will also note that from the opening scenes, we do have a lot of problems in this uh, area because the scenes in Marseille are are very white. France France is very white, um, and that's a problem, as we know. Uh, whereas the scenes in New York, they do feature plenty of black faces, um, but they're all either low lives or drug dealers or pimps. So uh, that's what this movie thinks of all that. And I'm not quite sure. Look, to be honest with you, this is the big one. I'm not quite sure why we watch this unashamed piece of copaganda. Uh, four words, Yuri. All cops are bastards. Okay? I, I think I think this film... Sorry to cut you off there, John. I think this film should be retitled Derek Chauvin the movie. Oh, my God. Pro- yes, I think... Um, actually, that's probably the only way you could get them not to edit it. Because <laughs> you've got to have go, Gene oh, Hackman on on someone's. It's called Derek Chauvin the end. movie, Don't, and then they go, oh, okay, all right, we'll make he can put the n word back, make it horrible, it's fine, and you go, okay, yeah. and you go, oh, thank God they, oh, God, they, now they don't have to change the movie. Anyway, uh, all cops are bastards. I certainly don't want to watch stories about how they go about their business of killing unarmed black and brown men. Uh, since the defund uh, police era began. I'm confident that life in New York is better uh, than ever. Shoplifting is down, I'm sure, and people can all just enjoy a nice, quiet subway ride in peace. Uh, From the footage I've seen on social media, there's absolutely no reason to have police at all. Uh, I think we can get by without them. And if these filmmakers had any integrity, then they would find a way to confront the systemic racism of police and policing, much in the fantastic way Yuri tells me they did in the sitcom Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, so, you know, if they can do it, uh, if they can confront the issues, uh, which is what we want out of a sitcom, then why, why not here, I say? Why not here? That's right. Con- confront the issues, completely sell out uh, all their previous seasons, completely betray, you know, the, the the actual founding kind of principles of their characters and all the rest of it. Yeah, mm. everyone can do that. We should all be doing that. 
that's yeah. that's real art. That's why I've seen that last season of Brooklyn Nine Nine all the way through. I've definitely seen it all the way through. I definitely didn't stop after the first episode and a half. Oof. Well, I think we should Oof. enter it into ChatGPT and maybe they can uh, come up with a, a way to fix the French connection in the same way uh, because you know that's definitely the roadmap. Anything else jump out? Did you did you mention the shooting shooting in, in the back? I didn't. That? Um, that's on the poster as well. Um, yeah. So, which... I, you know, I had questions about that, you know, because a lot of the cops that were consulted for this film had an issue with, with, with shooting that, that uh, assassin. Well, he was an assassin, I guess. Shooting him in the back because that's basically murder. But I wonder if it was someone of of significant danger to the public whether this would be okay. You know, like I'm thinking of someone he, like an Osama Bin Laden. You know. Actually, he killed three people. He was a mass shooter, really. Yeah. Like, so I think I'm I'm 100% with you because there's a scene in um, The Fugitive where Tommy Lee Jones shoots a, a guy with no warning in the head, you know, um, to save yeah. one of his guys. And even then I'm like, oh, geez, are you allowed to do that? Are you allowed to like just, I guess in a hostage situation, maybe it's different and maybe he's a US Marshal. But mm. here I thought the same. He shot him in the back in that thing, but... At the end of the day, yeah, he's a mass shooter. He just shot. He t- shot two people on the train, um, yeah. and he killed someone at the at the at the park with a rifle. So I think, but then it, they didn't bother getting into it at all. At all, I, mean, I, yeah. I did think, and I think you mentioned it earlier, Astro, that this was this is part of his character, and that's what that assassin wasn't prepared for. He wasn't prepared for like a cop who's so obsessed that he'll bend or break the law or the rules at least to kind of. Get his and man. Frog, Frog Two shot a guy in the face, um, hid in the shadows, shot it, shot him in the face without like a real pussy move, mm. uh, and then stole his bread, bit of his bread as he's walking out. You know, yep. steps over him, and mm. he just totally gets served up um, a dish that he, you know, that was just tailor made yep. for him. You know, love it. I think the final thing you missed was he's also a thief. He stole that guy's car, so commandeered. Yeah. Well, is that even a thing? I don't think it is a thing. You know, I've I've often seen this in 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 films when when a, when a policeman will stop someone and just flash their badge and get in their car. Like, I I would, I I you know I would sort of buy it if Gene Hackman pulled his gun. You know, I mean that's when you would get out of the car and go, okay, I'd I'd rather this guy drive my car away than be shot. But all he does is flash his badge. You know? Nineteen seventy-one. I don't know. And again, we're because we're living in such a different era now. Mm. It's Fifty years later, New York's a bunch of pussies. They basically just the criminals are running mm. New York City. But m- maybe that shows his am- amazing amount of white privilege as well that he can just take <laughs> he can just take what he car, wants, take know? cars, take women. <laughs> you know, whatever. Take the black man's drugs, you know, yep. and say, you know, I want a milkshake. You know, actually, one of my favorite scenes is is uh, when he meets his informant. I love that scene. When he oh, goes, that was good. And yeah. and because I love, he's one of those guys who says, "You talking to me, baby?" <laughs> yes. I kind of want to be the guy who says "baby" to other guys. You know, you want to like, be that confident. That you just say whatever. <laughs> in a sexy way too. Like that whenever you say baby, it's never, they're not like, hey baby. Like it's always like, it's always like, hey baby. Like there's always a little bit of something sexy <laughs> in it, you know? Like it's great. <laughs> it's really good. And then when they get in the in the stall and that, you know, at the end of that scene when it, when they've got to get back out there, he says, ah, oh, where do you want it? And he goes, huh? And then he goes, 
where do you want it? You know, mm. like really nice, really articulates the punch, you know? Oh, yeah. here, here, over here. Actually, the other thing about that informant dude, as soon as they get in the stall, takes a piss. Yes. Like not phased at all, not bladder shy. You know, no. they're, they're running a scam on the mm. entire bar that would like turn against him if they knew he was an informant. Chilled and you out. Knew they know each other, so they're pissing yeah. in front of like you know when you mm. when you piss in front of someone, you know them, right? Yeah. So, but then think about this: in 1960, so ten, you know, basically ten years earlier, it was the first time in Psycho that we'd seen a toilet on screen. Mm. You know, when they flushed yeah. the, the 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 paper down the toilet, the first time you'd seen a toilet ten years earlier to now taking your piss. You know, whereas a few years later, human centipede. So there you, you know, go. The pinnacles of cinema right there. Hey, you! Hacker! Where are you going? You talking to me, baby? Yeah, I'm talking to you. Come here. Get out. What's happening, baby? Where you been, huh? I've been in there. You stand a toss? Sure, I'm clean. You shit? No, man. Oh, man, you dick traced somebody. I said I was clean. I'm not going to get stuck, am I? Well, I, I I think this film is quite high on the toxic scale. I mean, it has to be because also, how many women are actually in this movie? Is it two? And one of them had, you no, know, one woman gets killed, which we're pushing a pram. Another woman, um, oh, there's a black woman that he says that she should get her hair done at Saturday night or something when he's leaving the bar. Oh, yeah. Ne- next, next time he's back, she, he should have her hair done for next time. Yeah, it's mm. mad. And there's then the Boker's wife. Boca's wife, who's just a 19-year-old piece of toddy. Mm. Fernando Ray's bit of toddy that he's got. And then um, the two chicks he sexually aggresses, one of which he has sex with, and whose bottom we see. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I never forget. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think just because of the police brutality against the black guys in the bar, like this is totally... BLM is going to come in... They're gonna burn. They're gonna go to the Library of Congress and they're gonna burn this down. Yeah, they will burn it down. They will burn it down, and that'll be a shame. So yes, uh, I'm putting in a vote for Toxic. Oh, full full Toxic marks. Excellent. Play the song. With the taste of my white privilege in your mouth, I'm addicted to me. Don't you know that I'm toxic? I love titties too, don't you know that I'm toxic? I am the old white male cisgendered patriarchy king. I can do anything. Very good. Uh, and I don't think we've we've congratulated you on, on our new toxic song, which is <laughs> which is quite something. There's nothing like it out there, that's for sure. <laughs> well I thought I thought what could be whiter than an old man singing in a sea shanty style. So yeah. that's what I went for. It's yeah. good. It's befitting. Yeah. It's, befitting. Mm. And it's, it's me doing my uh, impersonation of the old white banker in uh, Mary Poppins as well. Yes. So that's where that comes from. All right. Uh, final thoughts? Well, if you guys uh, want a couple of re- reviews, oh, I have yes. that. So uh, Pauline Kale of the New York Times was fairly negative, writing, It's not what I want. 
not because it fails, it doesn't fail, but because of what it is. It is, I think, what we once feared mass entertainment might become, jolts for jocks. There's nothing in the movie that you enjoy thinking about afterwards. Nothing especially clever except the timing of the subway door and umbrella sequence. Every other effect of the movie, even the climactic car versus runaway elevator trains, train chase, is achieved by noise, speed, and brutality. Mm. There you go. And uh, Gene Siskel of the Chicago Tribune awarded it four stars out of four and raved from the moment a street corner Santa Claus chases a drug pusher through uh, the Bedford-Stuyvesant section of Brooklyn, the final shootout on a deserted Ward's Island. The French Connection is a gutty, flat-out thriller, far superior to any caper film of a recent vintage. That's perfect. Those two reviewers, like Siskel, <laughs> total pussy man... Just, you know, softy and then mm -hmm. uh, Pauline Kale, who I think was beautifully portrayed. So Oliver Stone wanted uh, the woman at the party in New York who's bagging out Jim's poetry and stuff. That's meant to be Pauline Kale. Oh, really? Yeah, he's based that woman on Pauline Kale. So, real All nasty. Right. And wonderful. Her, her reviews are like literature. They're so good. Because um, when she loved something, she loved it. And when she hated it, she fucking hated it. Well, final thoughts. What, what did we think? Are you going to watch number two or? I, I, I don't think I'm going to. I, I thought it was great, um, but number two is kind of shitty, isn't it? I haven't I've seen, seen it. it. I've never seen it, but uh, but I think it's perfect because it's John Frankenheimer. Uh, so, so it's going to be shitty. So it'll be perfunctory and it'll be all about the wrong stuff. So because he'll get Frog one, he'll get him. Yeah. And then I don't want him to get him. I think the point is that. You know, and and Hackman will know that he's a star in the movie. You know those sequels where the guy person suddenly is right. a star, yeah, and they're like, yeah. and you go, oh no, this person now is a star. I liked it when they weren't when they weren't a star. Yeah, I mean, if it was made anywhere in the past ten years, like half the plot would be about where he got the hat from. Yes, so. and it would did show us they yeah go, the origin story of his hat. Yeah, the yeah. hat. Yeah. Well, no, like actually, someone po pointed this out on. On socials the other day, they said that the beginning scene of Raiders of Last Crusade um, does all the stuff that we hate now, which is River Phoenix, you know, he gets the scar on the chin, he gets yes. the hat and the fear of snakes and a bunch of other stuff all in like one scene. Yes. That is dreadful. That's dreadful stuff. We should have rioted back then. I know mm. we're kids, but still. Well, actually, I don't know. Like, yeah, that's that's a cute opening scene. Whereas now, that's what the movies that's what the movies are about. So, in Force Awakens, Luke's lightsaber was calling to Ray through. It's like when the fuck were lightsabers mystical object things? You know, it's like mm. like now the movie the the movies are about that shit as opposed to. That a cute little cold open scene before the movie proper gets going. And also that, that, that was, that was the first time that had ever been done. I'm sure in, in yeah. that sort of way, like a franchise going back, telling the origin of how, you know, indie got those sorts of things, you know, all of the things, how we got all, all of the things, things. in yeah. one, you know, uh, there's only one good part in that. It's when he says, you know, you lost today, kid, you know, and then he gives him the hat. Uh, yeah. That's all good. That's all good stuff. Uh, so look, we've got a few things we can do. Um, we're not doing anything gay, Ricky. But but we are doing Saturday Night Fever, right? 
Oh, that's a bit gay. Yes, that's why I chose that one. That is a yes, bit gay. That's that's good. That's because you know masculine men dancing. You know. Yes, very good. And staying in New York as well. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Great. Here, here I was hoping we might do Seven Samurai because I was yeah a little bit bummed we didn't do that one this week. Well, it's 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 Pride Month. You can't get out of this, Yuri. It yeah. will be in your face for the whole thirty-one days. Yes. Well, yes, I gave you the choice and you you, you, did not, you all punked out. You were like, I'm too afraid of Seven Samurai. But we'll get we'll get around to it before the year is out. Um, well, hang on. Yes. Was it, uh, wasn't it Asian and Islander descent month just gone? <laughs> they're they're white it? adjacent. Yeah. They, don't, right, get, they right. don't get a month. They don't get a month. No. We, we missed don't. it anyway. So Saturday Night Fever, yes, I'm really looking forward to it. It's a shame we can't squeeze in, staying alive. But I feel like as oh, if you, it's, we've only we don't have that. Well, we got a few weeks. If you if you if uh, you do have some time up your hands, we should watch Staying Alive, um, because that's directed by Stallone. It is, yeah, and it's the best Travolta's ever looked. And yeah. He hated it, didn't he? He did hate it, and. Um, it's just nothing like the first movie either, like so. I think you know, it's totally just the wrong thing, you know. Like, like I mean, what, what was what was Stallone on? I think it's peak Stallone, eighty-three, yeah, like when yeah. he was seven percent body fat or whatever, like doing Eye of the Tiger, you know, um, just off his chain, like you know, doing whole other thing. Mm. All right, gentlemen, um, I think that's it. Very good. Until next time. Till next time. Don't be a pussy. Don't be a pussy. Yeah, that's what I meant. Don't be a pussy. Don't be a pussy. No countdown? Uh, I didn't do it on this one. <sighs> I can do it and I'll fix it up. We've got this countdown thing. Uh, okay. Appears. Now, yeah, just to let you know that I'm not, you know, upskirting you or whatever. Yeah. Orally, that is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a bit gay. <laughs>